It was cold and rainy on the night of December 3rd, 1982, in southern Mississippi. Semi-truck drivers driving along I-10 chirped over their CB radios, filling the airwaves with their usual long-haul chatter. One driver interrupted the friendly banter to report he'd seen something concerning. He said he'd notice a barefoot woman wearing a blue plaid shirt and jeans walking along the side of I-10. She looked distressed, and most worrisome of all was that she was carrying a baby. Reports would later indicate that several drivers had seen the mystery woman too and stopped to help or offer her a ride. But she refused and tucked her crying baby tighter into the blanket in her arms. Two days later, on Sunday, December 5th, 1982, as the sun rose over the horizon, a truck driver traveling east on I-10 between the Pascagoula River and the Escatawba River in Jackson County made a desperate 911 call from a way station's payphone. Here are two voice actors recreating the call from information found in police reports. Jackson County Sheriff's Office, what's your emergency? I was driving on I-10 towards Alabama over the Long Bridge on Highway 613. I think I might have seen a body down in the river. Can you be more specific about the location of the body, sir? You know, down in the marsh next to the bridge. I think it was hung up on the bridge pylons or something. It looked like it was wearing a blue checkered shirt next to an ice chest. What's your name and location, sir? Ted. I'm at the truck scales on I-10. Ted didn't have to wait long for Jackson County authorities to respond to where he was. At 6.53 a.m., a reserve deputy named David Lawler met Ted at the truck weigh scales. Deputy Lawler had just started his shift, which normally would have been pretty quiet, but today wasn't like other days. He had no way of knowing that this call would be the start of a mystery that would last for nearly four decades. Welcome to Solvable. I'm Amanda Reno, and I've been a genetic genealogist for six years. In my career, I've spent a lot of time helping adoptees and those seeking information on their biological identity. For the last three years, I've shifted to helping law enforcement identify John and Jane Doe's, as well as determining the source of DNA found at crime scenes. I'm Greg Bodker, a 26-year law enforcement veteran. Amanda and I met while working on a cold case homicide in Ohio. We use the strengths of our professions, law enforcement and genetic genealogy, to solve that case. And we knew that we could work together to solve other mysteries throughout the country. I see cases through the lens of a genetic genealogist and researcher. I've always had a passion for giving names to those whose names have been taken from them. And my extensive investigative and administrative background allows me to look at cases through the eyes of the detectives and the people who run law enforcement organizations. In this podcast, we're going to take you on a journey to Southern Mississippi through a series of firsthand accounts of unsolved Jane and John Doe cases that span decades. On December 5th, 1982, Ted, the truck driver who'd called 911, recounted for Jackson County Deputy 
David Lawler, that he'd seen an adult's body floating in the Pascagoula River while driving on Interstate 10. Deputy Lawler took detailed notes and put a call out to other reserve deputies to begin the search. Ted specifically told Lawler he'd been driving on the highway's long bridge when he spotted the body. Ted's specific details were impressive, especially considering the fact that the bridge that he'd said he'd driven over is four stories above the river. Also, he was likely driving at highway speeds, and when he saw the body, there was barely any light outside to illuminate the murky Mississippi waters. Ted would have been in the eastbound lane when he was driving his truck, which would have meant he would have had to look across the bridge's westbound lanes and cement barriers to see what he said he saw in the water on the other side. It's important to understand the geographical makeup of the specific area we're talking about. I-10 is just a few miles north of the Gulf of Mexico and runs east to west, stretching across the entire southern portion of Mississippi. The winding river tributaries that cut across this area create a need for many bridges. When you look at the map of this region on Google, the waterways sort of look like blood vessels in the human body. For those of you that are unfamiliar with this region, go out to our website at www.solvablepodcast.com to see a map for reference. If the body Ted reported seeing was hung up in the weeds near the bridge pilings, as he stated, it should have been fairly close to the bridge itself and easy for authorities to locate. The question on everyone's mind though was, with all of these obstructions in Ted's line of sight, and the fact that he was probably driving at a fast speed, could he have actually seen a body? To vet the truck driver's report about seeing a body in the Pascagoula River a little more, Jackson County Deputy David Lawler asked him to leave the truck scales, where he'd called 911 from, and drive back west to the interstate bridge where he said he saw the body. Lawler asked Ted to park his truck and help authorities search, but Ted refused. According to reports, Ted told deputies that he could not shut off his truck's engine because it had faulty fuel filters, and he was carrying alcoholic spirits bonded and sealed by the federal government that meant he had to stay on the road. But also in police reports, he stated he'd be willing to take his truck to a nearby Union 76 truck stop at the Alabama state line to have it repaired and could return to Jackson County if deputies needed him to. When Deputy Lawler put a call out over his radio for more sheriff's office units to respond to the Pascagoula River, the initial information was for everyone to be on the lookout for an adult's body floating in the water. The first deputy who radioed to assist Lawler was named Mike Waugh. Mike was patrolling near the truck weigh scales, where Ted had called 911 from. Mike put his lights and siren on and started driving east toward Deputy Lawler's location. But on his way, he stopped short at a bridge overlooking the neighboring Escatawba River and made a disturbing discovery. I think I had a partner with me in the car, but I just absolutely, or somebody else was with me, and it seems like we both, you know, I said, you go that way, you know, and I'll start over here on this end. And, uh, and it didn't take me but, you know, I mean, just a couple of minutes by the time I just stopped in a pretty, you know, right there in a good spot. And, uh, I looked down and honestly, when I saw the baby laying there, 
I mean, I couldn't tell, you know, from that height, uh, if it might have been just a doll, you know, or if it was actually a, a child's body. I just couldn't decide. That's right. Just a few miles away from where Ted had reported seeing an adult's body in the Pascagoula River, Deputy Mike Waugh was staring down at the corpse of a baby in the Escataba River, a completely different area than what had been reported to authorities. It was astonishing and alarmingly clear that the sheriff's office was dealing with two bodies in the neighboring riverways of Jackson County, not one. And I even, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because I had a pair of binoculars, and I think I even took my binoculars and looked. And it was just really, it was still kind of hard to tell, you know. And uh, I went ahead and called it in. And I said, you know, I, I don't know. And there was no way to get, it was like uh, at the edge of the main body of water, but it was still marshy and stuff down there, you know. So there's no way, we couldn't just walk down there, you know, and, and, and got close enough to tell. So our best vantage point was on top of the bridge. And, uh, but I told him, I said, you know, keep looking for a minute. You know, when I, I called it in. I told him, you know, send the, the water patrol guys out or somebody, you know, cause, cause that was the only way we were going to know for sure. So they got a hold of them and, uh, they brought a couple of little boats out and, uh, launched them and floated them down. And, uh, sure enough, it ended up being, being that baby. Right away, Mike called out to the county's water patrol division to assist in recovering the baby from the Escatapa River. At the same time, other water patrol captains were instructed to search for the adult's body that truck driver Ted had reported seeing in the Pascagoula River. But those efforts were fruitless for the moment. The sheriff's office's highest priority was retrieving the baby's body because it was actually visible The Water Patrol Division in Jackson County is known as the Flotilla, and many of the captains are seasoned boaters and longtime Southern Mississippi residents who know the confusing, winding waterways like the back of their hand, which would prove to be crucial in this case. Jackson County, Mississippi, which is named after the seventh president of the United States, Andrew Jackson, sits on the southeast part of the state, and the city of Pascagoula is its seat. Jackson is the fifth most populated county in the state, and the largest in geographical size. About 31%, or roughly 321 square miles of it, is water. And like much of the southern U.S., traditions in the area run deep. Today, the Jackson County Sheriff's Office is headed up by Sheriff Mike Ezell. His office is one doorway down from Chief Deputy John Ledbetter Jr.'s office. Ledbetter comes from a multi-generational law enforcement family. His grandfather was the sheriff of Jackson County from 1976 to 1984, during the time when the baby was found in the Escatapa River. Ledbetter sat down with us for an interview to talk about what he's been told about that cold December day in 1982. When I was young, I remember going with him to Jackson County Cemetery, and he was telling me, and I can't recall the entire story. He's telling me the story of Baby Jane and the case, you know. Baby Jane Doe. That's who authorities to this day know the dead baby Mike Waugh spotted in the Escatawba River as. And without the help of the county's flotilla unit, she may have never been recovered. 
I'll tell you what, our flotilla on Jackson County Sheriff's Flotilla Search and Rescue is probably one of the most dedicated groups that we have, dedicated volunteer groups. They will drag for bodies and they'll, from start to finish, they ain't gonna go home. You know, they, when they're out there, they have trailers they set up, they bring meals, they prepare for this. And it's all, they're not getting paid a dime. They're but they're, they're volunteers and they are, they're very dedicated. Where's the equipment come from? Uh, some of it, well, it, it, they've built it over the years, like the trailer. The county will provide something like that, like boats, motors, trailers, uh, maybe like a command post or somebody to bring their own. A lot of private boats too wow. come out, so diving equipment. Citizens that form yeah. this group? Since 1975, I think. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's so much water in Jackson County. Unfortunately, every year, uh, typically every year, we're gonna respond to something like that, uh, a drowning victim. And they're knowledgeable just because they've done it. And if, if, they, don't, if they don't know how to do it, they're gonna have to get the people there that do know. To produce this show, we took a trip down to Southern Mississippi in the summer of 2020. And right away, we were welcomed by the original first responders from when baby Jane was found in 1982. They were going to take us on a tour to the very spot that started it all. When the solvable team arrived in Jackson County, Mississippi to start investigating for this show, original first responders on the case gave us a tour through the region's vast waterways. Our captain was a man named Lewis Seaman, who was just 16 years old in 1982. He was on his first flotilla recovery mission when Deputy Mike Wall called for help trying to recover baby Jane from the river. Lewis took the solvable team on the water, zipping his boat's high-powered Suzuki engine through the seemingly endless channels in southern Mississippi. After miles of traveling through remote areas and no wake zones, navigated only by collective experience of seasoned boat captains. We found ourselves at the exact location where Mike discovered baby Jane in 1982. As we approached the riverbank, with the interstate bridge trusses looming high above us, the highway traffic noises overpowered the splashing of the river water against the aluminum boat we were in. When we pulled up, Lewis recalled what he saw 38 years earlier. You remember, was it cold back then? Because cold. It, it was Very December. cold. Yeah, I saw it had rained a bunch. Yeah, it was raining that morning, December the 5th. Cold and raining. If I remember yeah. right. Yeah, Now. It's 40 years ago. Yeah, she was. They think she went in right here, and we found her kind of in this eddy right That's here. It's not that far. Oh, no. And I've been doing it 38, ever how long that's been. Her and one more is the only one I've ever seen floating face up. And she was floating face up. How many people would you say you've recovered? 26. You know. Uh, you don't forget. <laughs> I ain't being ugly, but no, you know, I know. Yeah. I started to quit. I, I ain't gonna lie about it, I started to quit. That's yeah. pretty traumatic. I mean, yep. we've all seen. Oh, death, yeah. And but when you're 16. I joined, I think it was in July. And this happened in December, wow. December the 5th. Wow. And they think she was in the water a couple of days, you know, something like that. 
it's been so long, I can't remember. I know that's awful. But. Have you seen that picture of the girls oh, yeah. around? That's yeah. a pretty Oh, she was girl. gorgeous. Oh, I can still see her. Her little dress was white and red or faded red. Still had her pamper disposable diaper on. So, child that was taking care of it. Oh, yeah. Like. Yeah. And, oh, she was pretty as a picture, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's just. Did you guys expect to find mom based on that first call? Yep. Were you surprised that it was a little girl? Very. Yeah. Very surprised. Even though Lewis is an avid fisherman, the spot he took us to, where he recovered baby Jane in 1982, is sacred to him. Out of respect, he won't fish in that area. It's kind of funny, but like I said, I fish this river every day in the summer, mind you. But from north of the Bree or right there to down, I won't fish it. It's wow. just out of respect, you know what I yeah. mean? And, oh, yeah. I'll fish outside, but I won't come this. I know exactly what you mean. The more we learn from first responders about baby Jane, the more we asked the sheriff's office to work with us and share information that could help us understand the full story. The department agreed to give us exclusive access, and what we found is remarkable. There was red flags, absolutely. Um, we put, we got up on the bridge. We had an 18-wheeler. We, we played out the scenario in every which way, and none of it was possible. On the next episode of Solvable, we're diving into the details of this case and learn that truck driver Ted never met up with Deputy David Lawler at the truck stop across the Alabama state line, where he said he'd be waiting with mechanics. Ted and the body he said he saw in the water were nowhere to be found. All Jackson County deputies were left with was an unidentified body of a baby girl and an investigation that was also dead in the water. We lost the trail back then. What do you mean by that? You couldn't find him? Exactly. That's on the next episode of Solvable.